Well, good morning, Springvale, and we are going to begin a new uh, series today designed for growth, Uh, some things we want to learn that Jesus teaches about how we grow spiritually. But before we do, I just want to recognize this is the last Sunday that we will have masks on. This is the last Sunday that we have to, you know, there's no distance, and you can clap if you want. So uh, I, we, I recognize that there uh, has been, there's a difference. Some people are more uh, concerned about, uh, you know, and careful, and some are a little less careful and a little less concerned. And so we have the, the continuum of people here, and we, you know what I honor you for is that you have been different, different views about uh, restrictions and COVID, and yet there has been a unity for the most part in our church, and that has been a, uh, a prayer that God has answered on our behalf, and that you have fulfilled by your love for others. And so as we end this period, did you know it's almost to the day, to the week, two years that we've been under COVID, two years. Do you remember when it first happened? We were all praying, God, may this end soon. Like I never had any, I thought by summer we'd be clear of this thing two summers ago. And uh, you know, that, that's a great example though, isn't it? That we pray for things and they don't happen. Well, but God answers prayer. Well, God always answers prayer, but not always the way we want him to answer it, right? And so it's like praying, God, I'd, I, you know, I don't want to go through the workout today, but I do want to be healthy and strong. Well, you can't have it both ways. And so God took us through this workout of two years. I don't know all the purposes that he had in it, but he didn't answer my prayer to end it early. And some of all, I think all of us, we were praying, God, may it come to an end. In fact, I remember in our prayer meetings praying that. And yet God was still faithful. In fact, we had to get on his track and understand what he was doing. He did answer the prayer to protect us as a church and keep us unified. And so I honor him for that. And uh, now as we go forward, if you are a little more uh, cautious, then that's okay. If you want to keep wearing a mask, you keep wearing a mask. But remember, as, we, as the restrictions come undone, that you now need to have the same grace toward others who don't share your view as they have had toward you. And, and if you're a little bit, you, you, you want a little bit, you know, you're careful, you just gently request the people, say, you know, I'd appreciate a little more space or you know, uh, when we're talking. If, you, if you're a little concerned coming back to church, I have chairs right here at the front. Nobody sits in them, and you can have it if you want to have, you know, that space around you. We've got them reserved for you. I honestly don't understand why people don't sit in the front. I just don't get it, because that is where you get, and there's no distractions. I can't sit in the back, because I, I, my head's just like a bobblehead. Like, I'm looking all over the place. But we got seats for you right here up front. Right, Barb? Right up front. Right. So uh, let's, let's pray and thank God for what he's done in us uh, through COVID. Father, I do have to stop and uh, not have to. I want to honor you uh, for your answers to prayer. Now, for some people, COVID was very hard and difficult. Some lost people due to this disease. Some people lost finances and their jobs, uh, so it had a, a profound um, effect upon them. And for others, it didn't have as deep as an impact, and yet you carried us through that. We honor you for that. We honor you for the unity of this body. I honor you for 
the love that people had toward one another. Uh, we honor you that you were at work in it, even though we didn't fully understand and maybe still don't fully understand all that you're doing, but we trust you. We trust that you're faithful and that you will bring an end to this and maybe we might see the full effect of it, maybe we won't. But we believe and trust that your word is, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and that you will use all things to produce Christ in us. And so we come to you in faith, believing that, and, and waiting for whatever you, fruit you want to bring out of this. Now we, as we go into this series on design for growth, I pray that this would be a point in people's lives where they go look back and say, God spoke to me. God touched my heart. God led me. And so, Spirit, would you be working in an unusual way in our midst today? Amen. So, uh, Crystal and I decided, this was a number of years ago, um, that uh, we were going to do the, you know, garden to table thing. Uh, and so we had, uh, at our house, we had uh, some uh, flower beds and shrubbery and all that around the house. And we decided we're going to take a portion of it because there were some places and we're going to plant some tomato plants in the, that area because, it, you know, that's a great place to grow tomatoes and, and we could have fresh tomatoes. And so I think we planted 50 plants. Now, uh, now it wasn't 50, but it seemed like 50. And so we plant, and, and it, like, you know, if you put in the seeds and then the, the little plant and then, then you give it some water and sun and a little bit of fertilizer, those puppies just take off. And I was out there, it seemed, every day trying to set up some sort of trellis or, or pieces of wood or something to keep the, the arms of the tomato plants off the ground so they could produce fruit and grow it. And then the fruit started to come and we had our own tomatoes right from our own garden right onto our table. And we love tomatoes, at least most of us do. And it was great and we loved it. And the next day there were more tomatoes. How great. And then there were more tomatoes. And then there were more tomatoes. And there was, like we had tomatoes coming out the wazoo. We had no idea how we were going to get rid of these tomatoes. We were trying to give them to people. We ran out of friends and people we knew. They didn't want our tomatoes. Finally, I told our boys, just go throw them at cars and people's houses. I, well, no, I didn't say that. No, after we got caught, I, I said, no more, no more, no more. But we didn't know how to get rid of these things. There was just so many of them. And so I learned a couple things from this little, uh, this little endeavor that we went on. Number one is three tomato plants is more than enough. Unless you want to go into tomato wholesaling. But three is fine. And the other thing I learned is that if you put the right things in, the right things come out. Like if you put the plant and you put a little bit of fertilizer, you put some water and give it some sun and some attention, a little bit of toil, and then the fruit just happens. They just grow. You put the right things in, then the right things come out. Right things in, right things out. That is the message or the teaching that Jesus is going to teach but he's going to use a different metaphor than tomatoes. He is going to use the metaphor of growing grapes in a vineyard. And what he's going to teach us is the right things in 
will make the right things come out in our lives. Now, before we go into this teaching, uh, I just, I want to stop for a second. Let's just stop. I'm going to come over here, pause to the sermon, and just talk to you just for a second. When you come to sit under the word of God, there ought to be a natural desire within us to learn about God. If, if we have the spirit of God within us. There is this passion, this desire, this wanting to know more about God. Now, if you don't have that in your soul, there's probably one of two reasons. One is you have never engaged by faith in a relationship with God. So you don't have God in you because God says when you admit your sin, you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin and then you choose to surrender your life to follow, to obey Jesus, then he enters our lives and begins to live within us by his spirit. It's supernatural, I don't understand how he does it, but God in his grace chooses to live within. And when he comes, he brings life, and in that life is a longing and a desire to know Jesus, it's just natural. So if you don't have that, then it possibly is because you have never truly repented of your sin, confessed, repented, and put your faith in Jesus. Now, the beautiful thing is, is whether you're here or online, You're welcome to be here, even if you've never trusted Jesus as your savior, to learn about Jesus and his word and and why he's so important. This is a great place to learn, but I would challenge you this. If you have a question, don't let it go unanswered. You can always email info at Springvale. One of us will get back to you. If you have friends, you cannot. Do not let questions that rise up go unanswered. Questions are your doorway into your next step. And if you have a question and you don't ask it, you're allowing the door to shut. Now, the other reason why you may not have a desire is you have made that step where you personally put your faith in Jesus for the salvation of your sins, but you are living in such a way that you are giving focus and priority to other passions. In other words, you're pursuing the things of this world to find fulfillment and to find meaning and to find uh, what you call happiness instead of pursuing Jesus. And so you're grieving the Holy Spirit and the desire to know about Jesus is being pushed down. This is the convicting part of the sermon. And so if you don't have a natural interest in learning from Jesus in the word, it's because something is muting that desire within you because it's natural if the Holy Spirit lives in you. So either the Holy Spirit isn't in you and you need to settle that issue or the Holy Spirit is in you but you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to encourage you to do as we go through this series, it's only three sermons, as we go through this series, you keep asking, God, what do you want to do in me? Show me. And if he shows you, then obey him. Because the right things in will bring the right things out. And so let's look at this in John chapter 15, verse 1. We're back in the sermon now. On press pause. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Now, this is Jesus that is saying these words. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. Now, this is just normal caring for a grapevine. It's the metaphor that Jesus is using. Now, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You, as branches, can't bear the fruit of a godly life by yourself. It takes something more than what we have already in us. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, and I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. See, the right thing's in, the right things will come out. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, did you notice that there are three characters in this metaphor? Did you pick that up? Name them to yourself right now. Just name them in your own head. Who do you think the three characters are that were in the metaphor? Okay, so first, Jesus, right? I'm the vine. Second, Father, he's the gardener or the vine dresser. And third, believers were the branches. Now, let's look at Jesus today. We're going to look at Jesus the vine. Look at the first five words. There. <laughs> I'm going to do good to get out of these first five words today. I am the true vine. Okay. Jesus is speaking. I am. Now, those two words, I am, are a subtle reference to the divinity of Jesus. And this is going to be important in a second. Bear with me. Throughout the book of John, Jesus is going to say, I am, referring to himself, and and they want to kill him for saying it, and the reason they want to kill him for saying it, because I am is a translation of the name of God, Yahweh, from the Old Testament. And so Jesus is saying to people who understand, I am, is a reference, he is saying, I'm God. Now, sometimes it's more subtle like this. It seems to fit the grammar. But there are other times where Jesus is very clear. Before Abraham was, I am. It didn't fit the grammar, and it didn't fit their theology. And Jesus wants us to remember and needs us to remember that he is God. Now, why is it important that we know that he is God? Because the life that Jesus gives is unlike any other life that anybody else can give. Look in John chapter 11. If uh, we have John chapter 11. I'll go. Now Jesus' friend Lazarus has died. And Jesus is going back and he's going to meet with uh, Um, Lazarus sisters and they're upset because when they told Jesus that Lazarus is dying he didn't come and so he comes after Lazarus dies and so Martha the first sister comes out to him and says Lord in verse 21 Martha said to Jesus if you had been here my brother would not have died now 
keep in mind he just died physically and Martha is saying, if you'd have been here, he would still physically be alive. But I know even now that God will give you whatever you ask. She even believes he could raise him from the dead. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am, there it is again. I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who gives life that doesn't end. Now, what just happened? Lazarus' life just ended. I'm the one who gives a kind of life that never ends. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. I give a life that even though you physically die, I give a life that never ends. It's a different kind of life. It's a fuller life. It's a eternal life, an eternal life. It is a life from God, not the life we're born into this world with. There's another kind of life, and Jesus gives that life because he is God. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the first thing we have to understand as we're going through this John 15. When Jesus is talking about life, he's not talking about making this physical life that we have better because this is a life that ends. He's talking about giving you life that is unlike the physical life that you have, that lasts forever, that brings fulfillment, that brings meaning, that brings a sense of purpose to your life, that makes understanding, makes sense of this whole world. It's an altogether different kind of life. We call it spiritual life. We call it the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We call it the life that only Jesus. It's very different from this physical life. And it's what your heart seeks for. And the fact that Jesus is God means he can give it. And that's why he says these next words. I am the true vine. Now everybody listening to him in this day and age when Jesus spoke these words understood um, vineyards and growing vines because they, it was all around them. And they drank wine regularly. Many of them probably had a vine or two in their backyard kind of thing. They kept their own vines for the grapes. But vineyards covered the hills. They, they understood what a vineyard was. They understood what a vine was. And they understood that out of the ground comes the vine and the branches are connected to it. And the life for the branches that produces fruit comes out of the vine. And so when Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he is saying, I'm the one who gives life. And now notice he put the word true in front of vine. And that means to say I'm the true vine implies that there's other sources of life that are out there. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Now, what does our culture around us say today? The culture we live in today, 2,000 years after this, was spoken. We live in a culture today. How does, the, how does our culture tell us to find life? Well, our culture tells us you need to look within. You need to become the person you're designed to be. Discover who you are and live that out. Be you, and you will find fulfillment. 
Now stop and think about that. To find the life within, discover who you really are, implies something. It implies you're designed in a specific way. You're designed for something. That your meaning and your purpose comes in discovering who you are. It also implies, ironically enough, that someone or something designed us. Because we all know we didn't design or give birth or life to ourselves. But our culture rejects the idea of God, so it says turn within, find out who you are, discover who you are, be the true you. And yet Jesus walks into that and says to us, I'm the true vine. Receive life from me. I give you life. You won't find it in yourself. And as we know from John chapter 11, it's a life that's different from the physical life that we live. Now I want you to ask a question, or I ask a question, okay, Jesus gives life, I get it, he's the son of God, only he, he's God in the flesh, he can give life, only he can give that kind of life, it's a different kind of life than I can find, and that he's the only true vine, there's other things people look for for life, but Jesus and Jesus alone can give that eternal life that gives meaning and fulfillment and purpose to us. Okay, I get that, but how does he do that? Let's go back to the text. Look at verse three. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. There's a hint in that verse. Remain in me, I also, I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You must remain connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you don't remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches thrown away and withers is a branch that is dead. Doesn't have life. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. It's dead. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and and burned. Here comes the clue again. Remember, we're asking, how does Jesus give life? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, if you've heard this, if many of you have heard this passage before, and I know your answer. Oh, Jesus gives life when we remain in him. But that's not true. That's not how Jesus gives life. That is how we receive it. Jesus didn't say, I give you life that way. He says, I give you life. Remember I said verse three is the clue. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse seven, the other hint, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. That's how Jesus puts life and grows life within you. Remember, write things in, write things out. The word in us produces supernaturally the life of God in us. Stop and think about the implications of that. Now, before, before I go any further, I want you to know this is not something that's new in Scripture. 
This theme of the word of God giving life to us, bringing to life within us the life of God, is throughout scripture. Just here's some verses I want to go over. James 1.18, he, meaning God, chose to give us birth through what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> through what? Words, right? The word of, I want you to say it so you know it. I want you to engage with me here. Okay, that's why I'm asking you. You're like, why are you asking me to say a word that's on the screen? Because you're going to sleep, and I want you to come awake. I want you to come alive. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of first roots of all he created. It's through the word that he births us and gives us this new life. Next verse, Hebrews, I think, or Matthew. Jesus answered, he's on temptation of Satan. It is written, man shall not live in bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He's saying, it's not our, our the, we, the life that we have from God is not a physical life that we need to eat food for. It's a spiritual life which comes through the word of God as we absorb it into our lives and then obey it. And that's gonna become an important thing as we go through the series. It's not just hearing it. It's hearing it, accepting it, and obeying it. Next verse. For the word of God is alive. It's active. It's, it's unlike any other written document. It's got the life of God right in its very words and that when we receive it, 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 it gives birth to life within us, this new life that Jesus gives and it grows that life, the right things in, mean the right things out. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Now here's the metaphor, a sword that's sharp will go right through deep and it penetrates even to the dividing of the soul, the joints and the marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It brings life deep within our souls. Next verse. I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, says Jesus. It's the word that gives life. Next verse. He was in the assembly in the wilderness. This is, he's, this is uh, Stephen talking about Moses. So Moses was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words. How's Jesus passed his life on to us? Words, the word of God. It's, it, it's like a flame of fire that, that sparks life within us. It's alive. That's why it's so important when we come to worship. You do know that when we come here Sunday morning, there's only an audience of one here. We come all to sing praise, sing prayers, offer prayers, sing prayers, listen to the word to honor and lift up Jesus and Jesus alone. That's why we're here. And it's so important that the word of God is part of our singing and our listening and our teaching because that's where the life comes from. He speaks, the spirit speaks through his word to us. And brings life to us. That's why it's so important that you daily are in the word receiving life. I was months 
old in, um, as a Christian. And my friend said, let's go to a retreat. And I'm like, what is a retreat? And I said, well, you get together, a whole bunch of youth come from all over, and we have a bunch of fun, and we listen to a speaker. I'm like, okay. My friends were going. I was going. We got there. The speaker spoke Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and then Sunday morning. I'm like, are you crazy? But I had already gotten in the car and got to the camp. And so I'm like, we're going to sit and listen to somebody speak for all that? I was enraptured by this speaker during this retreat. And he kept saying over and over, I don't really remember a whole lot of what he said now. It was a few years ago. But I do remember him constantly challenging us. You need to be in the word. You need to be in the word. If you want to grow, you need to be in the word. He kept saying it over and over, and I was getting the message. Saturday night, he called for us to make a commitment. If we were going to pledge to do our best to open the word, pray through it, think on it each day, then to stand, and he was going to pray over. And I have felt this sense, with, i got to stand. This is something I've got to do. That was a few years ago. Without a doubt, daily time in the Word of God and the cumulative effect of it over the years has been by far the greatest source of growth, spiritual growth in my life. I have learned that growing spiritually is in some ways very much like growing physically. You eat every day. And the cumulative effect of all those meals that you have eaten over all the years you have lived has enabled your body to grow and then maintain its health and to get healthy if you were sick. And it's that it's meal after meal after meal after meal after meal. And I'll wager there's not many of us that have missed too many meals over those years. We are designed so that as we take in food, the right things go in, then it brings health and strength for our bodies and growth to our bodies. And so it's the same way spiritually. When we take in the spiritual food, the word of God that is alive and produces life in us, over day in, day out, day in, day out, we grow, we mature. And that is what Jesus was talking about. The right things in, right things out. When we take the word of God and bring it into our lives, it produces the fruit of God in our lives. It's not complicated. It just requires a commitment. And as we absorb the word of God, even if it's, 15 minutes a day, day after day after day, it produces growth and strength and health in us. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the vine, I'm the one that gives life. You are the branches. If you remain in me, how do we remain in him? We're going to talk more about it, but it's through the word. If we remain in him, and I and you, you will bear much fruit. Jesus is promising this. You remain in me through my word, and I will, over time, produce much fruit in your life. 
I guarantee it, says Jesus. It's the way it works. You take a little bit of fertilizer and you plant a plant, you put it in good soil, you give it sun, you give it water. What happens? It automatically produces fruit. You take a life that puts its faith in Jesus and becomes connected to him by faith and you constantly seek him and you obey him, you will bear much fruit. It just automatically happens. This is not something you have to force in your life. This is something you can do only with him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do this apart from me. I'm the one who gives you life. And so as you engage in the word of God, I bring life into you and it produces fruit in you. You can't, you can't, for, if you're for, I gotta, I gotta get a hold of this anger. I just gotta get a hold of this anger. Oh man, I gotta stop being angry. You know, I gotta stop being lustful. I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't look at that computer anymore. I'm just not gonna do it anymore. I'm going to stop being so petty. I'm going to stop gossiping. I'm going to give more. I'm not going to be so greedy. You name it. You can't overcome these sins by yourself. It requires the life of God in you. And as you engage with God and his word, he then begins to root these things out in our lives and makes us healthy and strong and produces good fruit. You do it with him. Now I want to end by asking two questions. First question, where are you taking in or drinking in the word of God in your life? Now, kudos to you, you're here. This is one place you're getting the word of God, and it's an important place because you're getting somebody who knows our context, listening to the spirit of God and speaking the word of life to you in a way that the spirit wants you to hear. And you know, one of the greatest uh, the, probably the second greatest thing that's brought growth to my life is a faithful uh, attending and hearing the word of God week by week by week by week by week. Many times I have sat in a chair and the spirit has spoken through, to me through a speaker because I put myself there, but if I wasn't there, I wouldn't hurt. And kudos to you for being here because this is one way you take in the word of God. It's one way. Podcasts, online, you can take in the word of God. But there's nothing better, nothing more important than your own personal drinking in the word of God each day where you open a passage and you read it and you think about it and you pray about it even if it's just one verse. And you connect with God over his word. And the word is supernatural, it's alive and it will produce growth and life and fruit in your life as you obey it. So, where are you meeting with God each day? You won't be able to walk the Christian walk without the influence and the in taking in of the word of God. It just won't happen. It's a supernatural walk we're asked to walk. And so we need supernatural energy in life that Jesus said comes from his word. So that's the first question you need to ask. You know what, sometime when we go, well, I think we're gonna sing right after this. If God is speaking to you about this, then stand when we're singing and say, God, I pledge to do my best to meet with you each day. Help me to do that. Don't just listen to the word and go, yeah, you know, that guy might have a point. Do what it says, is what James says. Obey it. 
The second question I want you to ask is, how do you think your friends and family that don't know Jesus are ever going to come alive to Jesus and have the life of Jesus in them if somebody doesn't give them the word? It's not you and I that produce life in people. That's entirely impossible for us to bring life to another person. We can't do it for ourselves, let alone somebody else. It's the word of God that gives life. And so our calling isn't to give life to people, it's to what? Bring them the word of God. The gospel. The gospel of the story of Jesus who came to live on this earth and die in our place for our sins and rose again from the dead and that when we put faith in him and admit our sins and believe that his death and resurrection pays for our sins and then choose to surrender our lives to obey him, that when we exercise faith like that, that he gives us new life, that's the words of God to our generation, to our family and friends. Who, who's that you long to know to come to Jesus, who's going to get them that word? Now, I get it. We have to pray and we have to be wise about when we share the truth of the word of God with people. But if they don't get the word, they can't have the life. As James says, he chooses to give us life through what? Through the word. Maybe when we're singing, God's touching your heart, your prayers, God, I pledge myself to share the word of God, the gospel of God with, and then name them, just show me when and where. I am the true vine, says Jesus. I'm the one who gives life. I'm the only one that gives life, and I give it through my word. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning... Um, you kind of made it simple. You're the one that gives life, and you give it through your word. And so as we receive your word and obey it, your life begins to course through us. And I pray that we would be a people of the word. We would protect it, or we would protect our heart and our mind and focus on it, both individually and as a church. And I pray your spirit would speak in incredible ways to us through your word, and that we would have the courage to pledge ourselves, to do our best each day to meet with you. And that, Jesus, you would begin, as we put the right things in our life, you would begin to produce fruit that is godly, unusual, that flows from the life that you give us. Yeah, Lord, for those that know they have to make that decision, I pray you would bring a deep settledness into their spirit to say, yeah, I'm going to pledge myself. And for those that know they need to share the word with a family member or friend, that they would say, yeah, Lord, I know I need to do this, and now I pledge myself to do it with your help. Thank you for the gift of your word and the gift of life that comes through it. In your name I pray, amen. Amen, let's...